are listening to a Called Collective podcast, where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To learn more about the Called Collective, visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at The Called Collective. so much swaggy. yeah grant used it for uh fusion with his overalls with the overalls but like which um, decade uh, the I, 90s? Think, I think this was 90s okay. yeah it was 90s and he um <laughs> uh, but yeah and he was gonna throw it away um and i was like nah bro i want that because it like <laughs> it fitted his because this is like scrunchy here yeah but with his arms it was like super tight and it was kind of like weird so i was like mm. praise the lord now i get a cool shirt <laughs> <laughs> keep, let's keep this cold open Keep this cold open. Tyler, keep this cold open on. You know. How you doing, Dan? Yeah, so what? How you doing? I'm doing good. Yeah. Surviving finals? Yeah. Trying, man. I've t- surviving, barely. Barely. <laughs> I got a head start on one of my papers, uh-huh. on my patristics paper. Mm-hmm. I'm writing on St. August Augustine. Sorry, Dr. Morgan would have a fit if you heard me say Augustine. Augustine. St. Augustine. I thought they were two different people for first two years of school. I was so confused. I think I always you got, thought of... You got, you got Cruz saying... Um, Augustine. Augustine. And then you have uh, Morgan saying Augustine. Does she really say Augustine? Yeah, she says Augustine. Wow. She said, Dr. Morgan would say Augustine. Yeah, I do that all the time. I do it in class on purpose. I'm like, say, well, what about St. Augustine? And he's like... I'm not going to answer that question unless you say it right. <laughs> but August. we're moving around, move, moving around, moving along. I got like six pages left. <sighs> I wrote six, like over the last three hours before yeah. I got here. I'm going to try and finish it tonight. Going to try. Going to try. So that way tomorrow I can just play Elden Ring all day. <laughs> I don't know what Elden Ring is. What's Elden Ring? It's a video game. Oh. It's popping. Off. It's popping. It sounds like Lord of the Rings vibes. It's like you know you, you ever heard of Dark Souls? Yeah, it's like Dark Souls. Okay, but like open world. It's awesome. I got you. That's what's been occupying my time lately. Uh, nice scenes. When I babysit Beans, he, I, I don't have to stare at him all the time anymore. Wait, is Beans your dog? Ah, mm-hmm. uh, yep. Beans, little Beans. beans. He's little getting beans. big. Well, here we go. Here we are. All right. Welcome to the Coffee and Calling podcast with Dan and Griff. After a cold open, I do have to ask you, Griff, mm-hmm. how are you feeling right now? Like, how are you feeling today? Gas, bro. So, Gas. <laughs> yeah, I already told Amy, but yes. <laughs> um, I spilled my lunch today. <laughs> you sent a picture into the yeah, chat. Yeah, with my, yeah. It was fun. Grant's response was funny. I didn't need to see that. No, you need to let you need to let the the people know. Oh yeah, so I made <laughs> like happened? this bomb. Like it's like a burrito bowl kind of chicken and hey, rice. Hey, by the way, everybody, Griffin, master cook. I try to be, don't sleep on him. I try Pin- to be. Don't put <laughs> don't put a Pinterest recipe next to him because he will cook it. He will serve it, and it will be on next year's Master Chef. I'm gonna make it cheaper, but better. That's my goal. That's, That's what I try goal. to do is cheaper, cook cheap. I eat better. a lot of rice and I eat a lot of frozen chicken. You shop at Walmart, Meyer. This man's Aldi. Aldi, baby. <laughs> Rule oh, of Aldi all the way. I grew up on Aldi. <laughs> so I Put the quarter it. in the grocery cart. Walking into TC, which is mm-hmm. my other job. I just answer phones. Yeah. Do homework. Telecounts? Yep. Gotcha. And uh, I had it in one hand and my lid wasn't on all the way because yeah. it was hot. And I was like, I don't want this thing to, you know, it was steamy. They want to explode. 
and I jumbled it. I got oh, ahead of myself. The bag. And there was some like really, really hot cheese on it. <laughs> Dude, and I legit feel like it burnt my toes when it like because I'm wearing chacos today. <laughs> so I legit thought it like burnt my big toe and my little raptor claw next to it. <laughs> Not the raptor claw. Claws. No, funny story about the raptor claw. That's what I call her. Um, you know those toe shoes? Yeah. I had some of those in middle school. Oh, Because I, I was a goofy middle schooler. Yeah. And I was walking around my like house. skeletos? Yeah. Oh. It was the Vibram five fingers. That's what they were. And I'd run in them, and it was super uncomfortable. But I was like, yeah, barefoot running. I ran in them like twice. Yeah. But I was wearing <laughs> them around my running. house, and I stubbed it on a door frame. Oh. And now it's just crooked. That and years of oh, basketball also geez. did me dirty. But oh, yeah. Dude, that is pff, the fact that you call it your claw. That is oh just yeah, the, that's my my talon. Goodness gracious! Hey, this Ochichi, if you got hot food around, don't be spilling hot cheese on your toes. Like that's I don't. That's a day. Do not way. advise. If you take notes when you listen to this podcast, that's the note for the day. Do not. Griffin went through that suffering, so you wouldn't have to. But Griffin, we got a got a pretty interesting guest on today, and if I may introduce her, please do. This girl right here, I'm going to tell you this. I'm imagining this scene when we're all in heaven and we're sitting at the table with the Father in full glory, fellowshipping one, one another. There's going to be a meal that comes out. And I will tell you this, that at that meal, there will be everybody sitting there satisfied with what is being fed. And Amy will stand up before the Lord and she will say, God, where is the sriracha sauce? Yeah, I carry, carry some sauce is your backpack. The, I can see it in the bag right yeah, now. She is the today. hot sauce fiend out here. The great and only Amy Boyle. Hello, hello. And you're wearing a very orthodox t-shirt. Tell oh, us about it. Yeah, I'm wearing, um, for those of you who are familiar with Jackie Hill Perry, um, she has a merch line called Bold Apparel. Mm -hmm. um, and it's the art piece inspired by Basquiat who's more of a contemporary Jamaican artist um, and it ha reads the words Jesus is God come on it's dope how very orthodox very yes. orthodox because he is God it's true God now Amy for the people that don't know you can you just tell us a little bit about yourself um, where you're at right now in your iwoo journey and anything that if somebody needs to know who Amy is Got you. Yeah. Um, well, my name's Amy, um, and I'm currently a junior at Indiana Wesleyan studying community development and pastoral ministries here at the Kern program. Um, high low. Is that high low for my week or high low for my season of life? Oh, I think you. Did you just mean just a water buffalo? I meant there's water buffalo, just a water but if you buffalo? could tell us the high lows of. Oh, let's yeah. go with the week. High okay. low, but high low week. Low of the week. Okay. Hmm. Well, I would say my low has just been mostly just making the time and mustering up the motivation to like get, get through this, um, the next two and a, two and a half, three weeks of just preparing for, uh, finals and everything. And, uh, the grind of sitting in the library for six hours straight is <sighs> not super. For anybody listening, yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's finals. It's finals time over yeah. here at the woo and, uh, the woo. <laughs> Stuff. Like like she said, it's, it's just making it through. The library is a, it is a safe haven. I don't know mm -hmm. about safe haven. I mean, it's that 24-7 study lounge. <laughs> they got to spruce that place up. Put, it some, is. put some succulents in there or something. I mean, it is espresso, espresso. espresso. I just can't. <laughs> yeah. That is 
But um, I don't know. The high of my week is, has mostly just been the interactions that I've mm. gotten to have with other people, whether it's just sharing a meal um, in the last several days that we have leading into um, summer and everything, or whether it's just grabbing coffee with a friend or mm-hmm. playing a quick pickup game of basketball that I'm not very good at. Um, it's all right. Neither is Dan. Mm. Wow. <laughs> you know, okay, okay. Hey, and I sorry. can't even, I can't even say anything to Griffin because he is good. Like that's the uh, thing. It's like I, I was like, joking. No, you was joking. No, I was really, joking. Really, the only place really. I've ever played hoops with you though is is on that uh that blacktop at the monastery and we were all in like monastery. street clothes. <laughs> okay, so for one of our um for we had a class with Rod Reed, um, and it was on spiritual like formation and all that and we took a weekend retreat to a monastery what? here in indiana tipton. And it's in tipton. just just straight up like pulled up and they had a we had like 30 minutes to kill and we just were playing basketball in our regular clothes nice. outside it was chaotic it was chaotic i think you were in jeans i was in your jeans case. i was oh. yeah it was it was bad it was it didn't feel good that was the so. first mistake but i am not normally good i will tell you that it is a you're not bad though. I've seen you play. Like we we played on the on the retreat. Like yeah, this yeah, past yeah, year, yeah, yeah. Like, Amy, I I appreciate that. You're a bruiser, really bro. Uh, you run the paint. <laughs> I do. I have a lot of energy. You Most do. of the time, uh, I just wait for guys to get tired out, and then mm-hmm. I can actually play. But when they're not tired, I mean, it's like, it, phew, I mean, good Lord have mercy. I mean this in the nicest way. It's like a Pat Bev. Yes, it's like a Pat yes. Bev kind of game. It's like if I can't, I might, I might score n- no points. But I will make sure also that you don't score any points. I will be satisfied at the end of the day. Your defense I, makes up. If for I you. had four blocks and twelve rebounds, I'd be okay with. It's life. like Draymond was the uh, backbone of that. What seventy three and nine Warriors team? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that is. Now what? Uh, for you, Amy, when you're out there on the court, mm. what do you? What? Is, what is the position of choice? I'll be honest with you. Like I grew up playing basketball on the streets, and we didn't really talk positions. You just. You just like do whatever, help out a, help out a teammate, pass the ball, you know, dribble the ball when necessary, you know, all the basics. You're not talking about shooting right now. Do you not shoot very no, often? I, <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of a two-parter on that because. <laughs> we'll call um, that a floor general. <laughs> <laughs> I, I typically don't get past the ball because I'm, for those of you who can't see me, I'm, I'm like five, one and a half inches tall yes yes um and so like i don't have the best height advantage when it comes to my um my basketball game so mm-hmm. and then the other part would just be like uh, they generally just don't pass it to me because i'm not the best shot um which is okay that's bad teammates yeah but you know i mean but how do you ever get better if you people don't pass you sure, the ball? Exactly. You, know sure. saying, like, you gotta fail before yeah. you can succeed have some hope. Profound. Have some, that's true. Have some hope. That's from MJ. <laughs> you miss, what, is, what's that cheesy quote? You miss 99% of the shots you don't take. You miss 100% of the shots oh. you don't take. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I'm telling you, I told what you. What have you made? <laughs> the one is the blessing taken. from God. I'm gassed. <laughs> I'm gassed. Oh my gosh. Like, I'm just imagining, like, how do you. I'm just sitting there holding it and just. Flies up and goes. <laughs> it's like you go to. It's like oh, it's like when somebody goes and they throw the alley oop, and they accidentally make it in. Yeah, they're not taking yeah. the shot. They're trying to pass it, but or it's a like, hey, but a shot is a shot. A shot's a, a shot. shot is a shot. A goaltend might count for that too. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. But in 
But it's still, it wasn't missed. It was still it was, it was, bad, on, bad take. Griff goes, you missed 99%. No, you missed 1% of the shots you make. What? What <laughs> percent of the shot you shoot? Those ones that just rim out. Uh, that's honestly my stats on the court. But <laughs> it is. But mm, yes. Well, Griffin, you want to ask her the some of the, our grand questions. The grand questions. Okay, Amy. If you could have, what is that? What are you drinking? I'm drinking a strawberry banana smoothie. Do you not like coffee? I do like coffee, but I already drank coffee this morning, so I was, I was kind of vibing with a with a smoothie, you know. All right, we'll roll Something with refreshing. it. Something mm-hmm. refreshing. If you could drink a strawberry banana smoothie with anyone from the Bible, oh. other than Jesus, who is also God, yes, who <laughs> would it be, um, and why? That is a that's a really good question. You know, I'm I'm apt to. Can I have one person from the New Testament and one person from the Old Testament? I think we've allowed that before. Yeah, we've allowed it. Okay. We'll allow it. Okay. Um, I'm apt to go probably Abraham. Mm. You know, the the father. Um, mostly just because I have a really like I just I just have a lot of questions for for the man, you know, like well, about life about about life decisions and um How did you feel <laughs> You know, um, and, you know, I mean, I'm, and then from New Testament, I would probably say Thomas, just because I feel like of all the disciples, I feel the most, um, I feel the most connected to him and his story and the way the New Testament portrays him as um, someone who's faithful, but someone who also, at a lot of given points, can struggle with um, doubt. And it's Mm -hmm. ironic that the one significant time that he does is the one remarkable time that everybody knows him for um and so just to be able to speak to both of those men very different men from very different contexts and times and to ask them questions about um the struggles that they had the challenges that Mm. they had and the way that they saw god move personally as a narrative rather than just um hearing it echoed from the perspective of another person dang that is yeah, Abraham's a he's a good little ask him questions about how things went down. So hey, the bro, whole, was so Melchizedek Jesus? <laughs> so the whole almost killing your son thing, you know, how'd that go down? Were you gonna do it? Were you gonna do? Were the you really people? Were you gonna to know? Yeah. What would be like the first thing you would ask him about? You know, to be honest, like I think I've I've come with a I came with a pretty like traditional evangelical perspective of like. Um, scripture is like the authority and inerrant and all this other stuff um but first year here first semester here it was a lot of like a lot of exposure to different ways of like understanding the text and Mm -hmm. um pulling it apart and looking at um who abraham is from the perspective of like hagar was Mm -hmm. really really interesting um and so questions about you know like not in a condemning way but man like (laughs) How do you, like, how did, how do you justify certain things and certain ways that you lived certain decisions Mm -hmm. that you made? Um, And so I don't know if I have a specific question that I would ask off the top of my head, Um, but I've definitely had a lot of, uh, a lot of curiosity and intrigue into um, what life was like during that time period. And also just like, uh, I mean, for someone who's known as like the father of, these three main religions in the world, like, 
if you could if you could look at the way the world is now and see all of these different people that have um are living lives inspired by um the promise that god you know um gave to you what are your thoughts on that because that's pretty radical yeah yeah i mean shoot like i mean I just, I just see that. I, I like what you said about the rationale thing. Like, how did you rationale like having, like, a re- having sex with like your servant yeah. because you needed a kid? And then I look at that, and you just think about the pressures to have a kid mm-hmm. in that time. And I think one thing it always, I think humanity has this common thing that we make really, it's we make decisions that a lot of people won't understand why we make them. Yeah. Um we make those decisions when we have a mistrust in something. Mm. So we make these like at it because most of the time, if you're making a decision out of mistrust, you mean you're probably making it also out of fear or outside pressures. And then you're, you're always going to make the wrong call when you do that. Yeah. And it's like Abraham had this mistrust in the Lord that he was actually going to provide this kid for him, even his wife. I mean, his wife was laughing. Like, when, <laughs> why are you laughing? <laughs> That's where that guy was. That, that yeah. scene kills me at the word, but he's like, oh, so why are you laughing? <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't, well, me what? laughing, me laughing. laughing. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh, it was, uh, the goats made a weird sound. What do you think? But I just, I, I definitely see how like, like these guys, like, especially like Old Testament homie, Especially that like middle section in Genesis, yeah. out of pocket decisions. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I think a lot of people we always make really out of pocket or just yeah. like dumb decisions when we're in a place of mistrust mm-hmm. and fear, because we're like, I'm, I I need to do something to get what I want, um, mm-hmm. and it has ramifications. Which, if you want to take a study on what happens with the journey of Ishmael. It, yeah. it didn't just the journey of Hagar and Ishmael ripples, and ripples heavy. And sorry yeah. about my absence there for a second. Noel's blowing me up. Oh. She said that Beans figured out how to get out of his crate and greeted her at the front door when she came in the house. Oh man! So fingers crossed, there's no poopy. Anyway. Yeah, you got like a golden retriever. Those things grow every day. I don't know. Maybe I think our dog sitter didn't shut it. But back on topic, yeah. I, I just wanted to apologize for <laughs> no my, my absence there. I was looking at my phone too much. No problem. Now, ask if you can, if you could see anything. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I mean, was going to talk about um, in the New Testament. Yeah, did you say yeah. In the New Testament? go for it. Thomas. Thomas, Thomas yeah. Thomas, Thomas. And everything. Thomas. Thomas. Mm-hmm. But Thomas. Um, yeah, I think he's another guy that you have to read the text and realize that they're probably just like referencing Thomas as like, okay, he doubted in this moment. Yeah. So this is like a significant moment. So that's how we're going to identify him. But then like he gets identified by that as like, oh, he's mm-hmm. the scapegoat for the doubters. Right. They were all doubting. If you read the New Testament, yeah. all the disciples was, all, was doubting. They were all hiding out. <laughs> that's why Jesus pulls up and smacks them all in the face. He's like, why are you all standing around? I literally told you I was coming back. (laughs) But it it kind of goes along with, you know, like the the observation that you had made in terms of like Abraham, like and mistrust. Mm -hmm. So many things like stemming from like a lack of faith and a lack Mm -hmm. of belief and how God's going to come through and how he's going to work. Yeah. Um, And so I think that without realizing it, I mean, these two men are really connected in a way that Mm -hmm. like we're all interconnected in um, our perspectives on on different things and the things that we're wrestling with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think, I don't know what you said 
resonated because like when I think about like Thomas and how he lived his life, it's so easy for all of us to become so critical of just anyone, whether it's Mm -hmm. someone in the Bible or whether it's someone that's like um, sitting across from us or whether it's someone that's down our hall or something Uh like that to, to think to ourselves, like with a critical spirit, you know, like Mm -hmm. I can't believe this person would do something so ridiculous. But um, when you get the chance to like sit down and break bread with another person and really just, um, see their heart and seek to understand where they're coming from it humanizes them in a way that you just wouldn't be able to have the perspective otherwise mm-hmm. and when there's a significant ripple mm-hmm. that's it i think one of the worst things we can do is that we identify that person with that one big mistake that they make this like, is you your know, entire story is uh-huh. this one part right here like we got doubting Thomas, but how many times do we like look at people for like their maybe something they were hurt by or something that they did to hurt others. And we identify them with like like a hot topic right now is like this Hillsong documentary just got released. If you guys oh, really? haven't seen it, Discovery no. Plus, it's like the fall of like Hillsong, like about just a bunch of like just like crazy stuff going on within that church and everything. That's a whole separate. What are you watching it on? Discovery Plus. Nice. Discovery I know. Plus. I don't, I don't think Discovery I'm going to play for like I don't Animal Planet. For like Animal Planet. Plus. Wow. Discovery Plus. You can do the free trial though. That's a good point. Oh, You're just wow. going to watch one thing. But shout out to Chris and Beth Wetlore because they they pay for an account. So I said. Oh. Also, it's on Prime Amazon Prime Video. Yeah, oh, Amazon Prime okay. Video. So I you can Prime buy it on Video. Amazon Prime and all that. But pretty much it's just going over yeah. like hot topic right now in the church for anybody listening is this is pretty much there's been a lot of like scandals within the Hillsong Church network right after Mars Hill right after Mars Hill um all that different stuff but no there's one big guy in there Carl Lentz who was the pastor of Hillsong NYC also big status that he had was he was Justin Bieber's, Bieber's pastor Bieber's pastor Bieber's pastor um and he cheated on his wife he committed adultery and he outlined this right now so what I'm, my point I'm trying to get at is that anytime right now I think about Carl Lentz, I'm like, that's the homie that cheated on his wife. Mm. Um, and I think that there is an importance of noticing that right now it's still fresh. But am I always going to hold him to that standard? I go 20 years down the road. We don't hear much about him if we don't. Am I still going to believe, oh, he's probably still that sinner and everything. He's still an adulteress. He's still an adulteress. I don't know him, though. Now, for people that do fall into a certain sin and then we see them come into a restoration place, I think there also needs to be a place where we restore in our minds that they are not that person anymore. Like you are not, just because you doubted your faith, anybody listening right now, just because you doubted your faith, you don't get marked as a doubter for the rest of your life. Or if you um, fall short or you fall, like a lot, if you fall into the sin of lying, like it's not going to be like Griffin lies, like he's He's lying, lying Griffin, lying Griffin. Um, And this is something we have to be really careful about is also talking to ourselves is that the things we struggle with and sometimes the things we fall short of are not our identity. But the reason we fall to them is most of the time because we're making them a part of our identity. Mm. Um, We're making it a part of us. And sin was never supposed to be something that we are identified with. But it's something we are born with in our original sin. But because of the price Christ paid on the cross, we don't have to no longer identify with that. We can be healed and washed of our sins. And we are identified with our original maker, Christ. And something with like Thomas, uh, are you guys aware of like the uh, the Gospel of Thomas? Yes, it's apocryphal. Yeah, and it's him. I mean, and traditionally in the, I want to say the Eastern Orthodox Church, 
he's like he was the first missionary to like India mm-hmm. and can like converted hundreds and thousands of people in, in India to Christianity in the first, you know, first century. But it's apocryphal, so it's not canonized, but mm-hmm. in the Eastern Orthodox tradition, he's held as like the first missionary he's out there. He's one of them dudes. He's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> he was spreading the gospel. You want to ask that that next good question? The uh anywhere. Anywhere? Okay. Any if you place. could if you could go anywhere and see anything out of the Bible, what would it be? Maybe like early Acts Church, the Pentecost. <sighs> you know, like it's a crazy night. But also like I'm just like I I would love to see how how creation happened. Come on. But the Pentecost in a more like recent time frame relatively um of just like being able to see like the flame come above like all these different people's heads and then to to witness them speaking tongues that they had never had any like exposure to and to witness the connection Mm -hmm. and the resonance that that had with with complete strangers walking by like that that just seems really really like mind-blowing to think about and especially like I don't know, in today's culture where um, there's a lot more a lot more reluctance and hesitancy toward like things like gifts of speaking in tongues Mm -hmm. that we don't often like take that kind of stuff very seriously in a lot of different church traditions. Mm -hmm. Um, And so to be able to witness that, because I still believe that that's, you know, one way that the spirit moves and the spirit like um, works through different people. But Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I've ever witnessed that in my life growing mm-hmm. up in like the United States, um, in a pretty like contemporary Christian setting, um, not very charismatic settings at that, mm-hmm. but like, um, it would be, it'd be pretty radical for me to be able to like witness that and to see like the spirit poured out upon humanity and mm-hmm. in such a tangible way. Mm-hmm. In such a way that would unify like so many people. Yeah. That's the ultimate gift or that's like ultimate, like, I feel like that's the measuring stick for every like charismatic gift. Like you, is this unifying to the church? Right. Yeah. Like if someone's got the gift of prophecy, okay. Is this bringing more unity to the church or is it bringing division? If it's bringing division, might want to keep it to yourself. You know what I mean? Or like, I mean, I think there's like certain guidelines that were in place anyways, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Yeah. Paul goes over it. Yeah, Paul talks about it all. He talks about it and everything. And that's the thing. Paul isn't like, Paul isn't even against like speaking in tongues or anything, you know? He's like, there's a proper way and Mm -hmm. there's a way that's edifying to the body. Um, But that's with any gift. People don't like. You just stand up in the middle of Uh a service. I got a prophecy. Yeah. No, wait, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Hey, but for, for real though, that was the OG way. Like there was a time in the beginning of like church services where like you got a mic. And you got to just testify and you didn't know how oh, long. that still happens. People, <laughs> Which is, you know, that's fine. That's fine. People would say prayer requests and it's beautiful and it's great. Yeah. But my dad always told me a lesson because he's a pastor. Hmm. Don't ever hand somebody the mic. Always keep. Always oh, hold saying mic. something crazy. You got to pull it away. Mic, mic. Someone's just wilding out saying some stuff like. I think that America's the new Jerusalem. F the devil. Oh my gosh. F the devil. Wow, wow, wow. And Jim, thank you so much okay. for your okay. testimony. Thank and you. Testimony. Anybody else? Anybody else? Uh, mm. But yeah, I mean, 
and there's a purpose behind every gift and it's supposed to bring unity right. to us um disunity to the world that's what people like mm. you know get mixed up is that when we face kind of like this heat we're like well that's going to upset people or that's going to offend people i do think that we should avoid unnecessary offending yeah 100% but let me tell you guys we are there are going to be some people that will be angry for the way that we see things um because that is People were angry at Jesus for the way that he saw things. Very, very angry. They put him on a cross. You know? Paul says rejoice. Uh-huh. I mean, I just did an exegetical paper on, um, wow, I sounded so academic there. I'm I've so, just I'm so, I'm so sorry, viewers. <laughs> that was so holy art there. I just got done studying. this. <laughs> that Just to put that in, a deep study of Mark 11, 1 through 11. Hey, and it's, these future pastors better learn how to do some exegesis. You will, you will know the word exegetical. You will know the exegetical. word exegetical. Um, but pretty much it's a deep study of a passage. And I just did Palm Sunday. As we mm. all just celebrated. Right. Whoa. That was at the beginning of the week. I did too. You did too? Yeah. Wow. We'll have to talk later. <laughs> anyway, but by the, I, you know this, the start of the week, everybody's coming in. They're putting the coats down for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the week, they're saying, crucify, crucify him. him, crucify him. And I want to just say that, that like, be careful as Christians because the world will turn on us like mm. very quickly. That very quickly. And I think if there's something that people talk about cancel culture, like, oh, we do it so quickly. Yeah. Jesus was canceled. I'll tell you that. And very quickly, you know, it was, he was coming in like a king and was like being crucified like a criminal by the end of the week. Um, which that speaks that there's so many avenues we could go into there. Right. Um, but what I was saying with that was that the difference between edifying to the body and, um, disunifying is disunifying is something that is literally the the purpose of it is to take people that are meant to be unified and desiring to see them separated because of it and i don't think the lord's heart is to see us separated um even though even as christians we don't always treat each other the best count the denominations holy cow oh my gosh oh my gosh we can go into it um but Topic for another time. (laughs) I love what you said, though, Amy, that you chose that scene because it's almost like, and I've been wrestling with this, so everybody that hears this, you know, I'm not saying this is like 100% facts, but like the, we always say we want the church to truly look like the way Jesus designed it to be. And I sometimes think that that was the only true moment we've ever seen like the church fully be like what it needs to be. And since that moment, there's been a lot of outside things that have come in, caused disunity. And I think that we can definitely get to that point, 100%. And I do believe it will be like that when we're in the kingdom of heaven. But just how precious that moment of Pentecost, like Mm -hmm. the perfect example of unity between people. And we have moments when we're close, you know? Oh, yeah. Like I can think of like, for me, it's like moments like at church camp. (sighs) Like when, when the spirit feels like almost tangible, you know, or like, uh, when you're at passion, it was just like, before anybody even started, I was already crying before, like they just dimmed the lights and I started to like cry. And I was like, this is crazy. But, um, there's moments we, when oh, we yeah. have it, but not to the degree, you know, mm-hmm. I think it's crazy. Like that people were walking by, these guys are drunk. <laughs> what was it, like 9am? Yeah. yeah. These guys are drunk off wine. People got saved too. 3000. Peter, Peter got up, started preaching. And then they were like, 
boom. It's like, let's go for it. Um, and yeah, I just think you crucified him. You crucified, but I love what you said. I think camp ministry does that a lot. And also just like these perfect images or even the way it feels like when you're just in a small group of people. Yeah, you got two right. or three buddies. You got that good conversation going and it's like, man, this feels, feels like home. Taste of heaven. Feels like mm-hmm. home. So, Amy, can you tell us um, to transition? Uh, and I think like what we kind of talked about within that, you will probably like start to talk about more within your story. Um, but we would like to know what is your calling story? Um, and like, what are the events that led up to it? Um, and yeah, what, whatever you want to share, we'd love to hear it. Um, so I've grown up in, um, I've grown up in Indianapolis and I was internationally adopted, but, um, for the large portion of my life have been in the States since I was about one years old. Um, and so culturally, very American in any way a person Mm -hmm. can be possibly. Um, And my parents raised me up in a pretty like uh, contemporary evangelical church. Um, And so I felt like I had a, I had, I had a decent grasp on like basic doctrine. I didn't Mm -hmm. understand anything about the the differences and complexities of Arminianism and Calvinism and all that other stuff. No, I was just kind of like, Oh, I mean, And I grew up with more of, I think, more of a reformed theology of, mm. like, uh, the way salvation and um, justification and sal- and sanctification work mm-hmm. and all that stuff. And Amen. so um, <laughs> that's just the tradition that I'm coming from. And so, like, coming here to Iwu uh, Wesleyan School has been really interesting to mm-hmm. kind of deconstruct a little bit of, like, what I just assumed was truth being taught my entire life. But um, part of a pretty significant portion of my calling comes from just my, my faith upbringing, um, in a Christian home, you know, cause I never doubted, um, the love that my parents had for me or that they had their, um, they had my best interests in mind in raising me, but, um, I struggled a lot, um, in church to, to find any sense of belonging and to find the sense of community mm-hmm. and unity, like you were talking yeah. about earlier, um, within like the body of Christ. And it was just really like, it was a, it was a lot of time of like restlessness and um, just a lot of anger and frustration that I was carrying around for uh, a large portion of um, high school and pretty much all the way through middle school. Wow. A lot of resentment about like um, seeing hypocrisy in my peers, seeing hypocrisy in like church leaders that I had and not mm-hmm. really um, being able to make sense of like, well, I, I think I believe in God, but like, Mm -hmm. if these other people say they do, then I don't know why they're acting or, or treating other people the way that they do. Cause it was just a struggle of this disconnect between seeing the way people, seeing the way people profess and seeing the way people tell you the way things are and the failure to live up to that, um, was just, um, a huge struggle. And so I was really averse to, um, Christian community for a large portion of my life, um, which is surprising to end up at a school like Indiana Wesleyan because it's a private Christian university. But, um, as I'd gotten older and as, um, I had, you know, different mentor figures, um, in high school that gave me outlets to really process and, and talk through a lot of the things that I was just really upset about. It just, um, it made me realize 
a lot more in a tangible way that like the the sense of like holy discontent that's there and not mm-hmm. all of it was holy a lot of it was self-righteous mm-hmm. um and a lot of it was just bearing grudges that weren't mine to bear mm. um but i think realizing and coming to terms with um how having an understanding of the way um things are in reality allows you to to figure out okay but how can we work toward a resolution mm. what is it what is it what does it look like to to move in a way that's inspiring to move and take take action toward um bringing the church into the fullness of like how God designed it to be rather than wallowing in um, mm. the shortcomings that it has like any, any human establishment, you know? Yeah. Um, and so um, I went on a mission trip to Spain, my first mission trip. Um, Cause one of my mentors reached out to me and she was like, I think that this would be a great opportunity for you to, um, experience another culture, um, for you to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And I would love to partner alongside you in this Mm. and, um, to see the way that, that God will move through this, through this trip. And so for a week and a half, I went to Spain and I worked at an English camp with a bunch of middle school kids. And I like, I, I took Three and a half years of Spanish, but I don't know Spanish. Yeah. Uh, I'm on that Duolingo right now. Oh, yeah. I haven't done it in 40 days. Oh, but man. <laughs> I had a good streak before that. Yeah. Sorry. But no, it, yeah, I mean, like, it was, it was really eye-opening and really sobering to, like, come to terms with the fact of, like, um, never have I ever had to depend and rely on God in such a tangible way mm. to go, I had no idea what's going on around me, literally, because yeah. I can't even understand the words people are saying um and have like little like five six-year-olds come up to you and ask you something and not be able to respond to them is just really like humiliating (laughs) but but it's like god like like you've got me in this and so as i came as i came through that experience and as this um as a spirit carried me through that it was just a lot of recognition of okay like i i love building relationships with other people. I love um, the challenge of finding connection where people assume it's not there Mm -hmm. um, in relationships with other people, getting to know them, getting to see um, how they, how they image God through who they are, um, whether they're Christian or whether they're not. And so uh, a large portion of my calling, I would say has been just falling, falling in love with God's desire to love other people Mm -hmm. well through building relationships Um, and so it was, it was a gradual process of just like learning how to deconstruct a lot of the resentments and a lot of the, a lot of the, the anger that I had carried toward the church growing up, Mm -hmm. um, and toward the people in my life that had, that had taught me what it means to, to be a Christian outside of, outside of my family. And Mm so, um, coming to terms with all of these things was just a really long, gradual process that I'm still like trying to figure out now, mm. like four years later yeah. um, of, you know, what is it, what does it look like to, to live in a way that's honoring to God, you know? Um, and it's just, you know, like how is every day is a question of like, how is God inviting me to, um, to join into whatever he's already got going on and the ways he's already moving. Um, and so right now I'm just chilling, just college Yay. student. 
Um, Doing your thing? Yeah. Just studying. Just grabbing coffee. Just, as you should. <laughs> as you yeah. should. That's your, that's a, like, that's something that I really bought it, like not bought into, but I leaned into a lot. Like when I'm in college, like our number one responsibility right now is to like be trained and like to be equipped, you know? And I don't like, there's so many people I see stressed out because they have so much on their plate because they're serving at this church and they're doing this here at IWU, you know, on this night of the week. And they're doing something else on this night of the week here at IWU on top of being a full-time student and having a job. And I'm like, you don't have to, you don't have to overbook yourself Mm -hmm. to the point where you're like mental and physical, spiritual health is suffering as a result. You know what I mean? Like they're putting doing for other than like over being with, Mm -hmm. um, but I like what you were talking about, about like the holy discontent and not being happy with the status quo. And we read uh, the prophetic imagination. Uh, yeah. Was that this, was that this semester? Yes, it was uh, this guy named Brugamon. Brugamon. And it talks a lot okay. about um, the role of the prophet. And, and it, he says every pastor, every minister should be prophetic in their ministry. Mm. And the role of the prophet is pointing out where the royal consciousness is what he Uh calls it, but it's the dominant cultural mindset pointing out where that has kind of infiltrated the church Mm -hmm. and pushing the church in an imaginative way to deconstructing the royal consciousness that's in like kind of invaded the kingdom consciousness of the kingdom of God. Right. Um, and pointing them imagine it imaginatively in a way that leads towards mm-hmm. more fully resembling the church. And I liked what I like that brought to mind when you when you were talking about that. And I think that we all need to be prophetic. And you, Dan, you preached it was for our special occasion sermon last week. Yeah. And I hadn't even done anything wrong. And I was sitting there like, dang, like that was a prophetic sermon. Calling out, oh yeah, call because you had the Hillsong uh-huh. thing on your mind. So right? I had, um, hmm. I preached on. So we had this in homiletics class, which is pretty much our preaching class. Um, we had this task where we had to pretty much make a sermon for a special occasion. Yeah. So like one would say that we had like um school shooting today. School was shooting one. was like one. Uh, what if there's like a de- a sudden death of somebody in the church? Um, funerals, weddings, um, yeah. whatever might come up. And mine was a major church scandal. Really? So like, what are we going to do when we see that? Like kind of like the, what well, we would say mainline churches, like the mm-hmm. people that churches that everybody's seeing that people are like, you know, they're That's bringing the in, church. they're bringing in thousands of people. They're the one we're going to program our church by. Mm-hmm. And then we see major scandals and we figured out that it wasn't a healthy culture and it was bad. How, and I, and I preached it as if I was, preaching to a room full of ministers. Um, And what I brought up is that so often we scapegoat a lot of ministries. Like we'll say Mm -hmm. like, you know, that ministry, like them, them, you, you, or even some me, me, but we never say the word we, like us. Mm -hmm. And it was about how water, the royal conscious right now in our culture is pointing to other ministries and saying what they're, they're doing the wrong, they're the failures, mm. and we're going to make our own programming that's going to fix everything. And I said, no, we should say that corporately, we have decided to take something on that was only meant to be bared, uh, that was only going to be changed through Christ. Um, and what I mean by that is I brought up Abraham, 
when God <laughs> makes the covenant with Abraham, Abraham is put to sleep. And when he what, he has this vision of pretty much in a covenant, they would slaughter an animal and lay the pieces out in a path. And whoever was the lesser one in the covenant would walk through the path and they would pretty much say with that, if I don't fulfill my role in the covenant, then you can kill me like we slaughtered this animal. Very morbid. But uh, um, but by Christ, there's this flaming torch that goes floating through it, representing the Spirit of God, meaning that God was the main like responsibility holder of the covenant. Yeah. So no matter how much man failed, God was never not going to fulfill the covenant. God was never not going to. That's why when you see all these guys like Abraham, David, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Isaac, um, Moses, when they have these great failures and God's covenant still goes, mm-hmm. is because no matter how much man failed, God made it a way to where mm-hmm. the, his promises were always going to be fulfilled. Beautiful. But we've decided with all these scandals and all these things going on, we're going to create a new program. We're going to point it at somebody else. We're going to fix all this. And the thing is, we're trying to fix man's failures with earthly wisdom instead of just saying, no, the answer to all this stuff is we need to return to the heart of God. Mm. Um, Because in our American church, and I'd say something like something I've had to um, deconstruct is what are the ways that we have allowed the world to influence us more? Where have we become so seeker sensitive that we've mm. become desensitized to the sin that still corrupts us? And I think that that's something corporately we need to repent of as a church. Cause I would say that's throughout all of the American church. And I do think there are God centered God-fearing churches, but I think we are in this stage where we're seeing more burnout we've ever seen, all these things. And I don't think the answer is on our own, one singular church creating a new program. I think it's all of us corporately just coming before the Lord. And I also use the confession of Ezra 9. Um, conf- Ezra 9 in Ezra 9, That's what he, came to my mind too. he corporately confesses um, for the sins of the people and says, Lord, like, and the thing is, Ezra didn't do anything. But I'm sure that, there were a lot of people there who didn't yeah. either. Ezra didn't do anything, but he confessed to the Lord and said, "We." He because wept. He was with those people. Those were, those were the family he was a part of. And how many times do we get our knees in prayer when we pray for the church and we say, mm-hmm. "Lord, we have failed you," even though you haven't done anything wrong. But this is your family, mm-hmm. and I do think that personal accountability is needed. So don't hear me wrong, anybody <laughs> that's here. Personal accountability and people that do evil things need to be held accountable. And we can't just say, well, you know, we, and then put to the fact that there are evil people out there that do things that are bad. But we have to ask ourselves, is there a system in place Mm -hmm. that corrupted them? And that is what I'm saying is like corporately together, we can say, what are we going to do together to go back to God and say, Lord, the only answer there has ever been to fix the problem of evil, the problem of sin has been you. And that's the heart we need to seek. Um, and that's kind of what I was preaching of is like, even with like your story and we see all these things in the church, even as a ministry student, I'll share this. My freshman year, I was this cocky little thing that I thought I was going to bring the reformation um, <laughs> on my own. I was like, man, when I, when I get a church one day, like I'm, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Yeah. And, He's, he, and I, I kid you not, the one time I just, I felt this subtle nudge that said, your church, 
your church. No, 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 no. You are, you're in my church, <laughs> the Lord says. Um, and yeah, that was kind of like the main gist of that is that as we kind of wrestle through these things, what if we made that a corporate thing? Um, even the identifying where we have begun to fail and say, mm. Lord, what do we need to do? Because although you're not doing some things, I would say doing nothing can do just as much as harm. Mm. Um, Unlike, so, yeah. Sin has never, it it never started as just an individual thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because, like I said, I'm doing this study on original sin. Uh-huh. And you look at Romans 5, I think it's 12 through 15. Mm-hmm. We've all death, we, we've all received death because of the transgression of Adam, mm-hmm. right? So that's corporately inherited to every human being. Yeah. Is that curse of death and that bent towards sin. But then corporately, in the same way, we are given new life through Christ. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, we were talking about sin, and, and you were talking about we, and I immediately thought of Ezra 9 as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, all the times in the Old Testament when, whether you want to talk about it, I mean, usually during the divided monarchy, the punishment came upon the nation as a whole. Yeah. Even though there were, I mean, I'm assuming here, the text doesn't uh-huh. tell us, but... I'm assuming there were people there who were following Yahweh faithfully, mm-hmm. but they were punished along with the rest of the nation. Mm-hmm. And if you want to talk about unity in the body of Christ, if we are all unified with Christ, right? It's no longer Christ who lives, or no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. And we are all made one through the body of Christ. He's the head of the body. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, if you, let's say you get a cut on your hand and that thing gets infected, that can infect your entire arm. You know what I'm saying? That can infect your entire body. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you hear people complain about the church, every once in a while, someone who's, um, who's like a little wiser will say like, Oh, you know, that, that church over there, like, and I know this is going against what you're saying, but they'll recognize that the church as a whole isn't bad, Uh but for, for the large majority of people, like they just don't like, they don't, Big C, you know, capital C uh-huh. church. They don't mess with capital C church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they see the entire thing as Hillsong. Uh-huh. You know, when something like Ravi Zacharias happens, it crushes people's belief in the entire mm-hmm. institution. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem is it's now seen as an institution. Yeah. Instead of a living organic entity with Christ at the head, you know, that is unified and is following the marching orders of, this, of the same Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead, we all we have all these separate doctrines of this and that, and like yeah, they're important. I don't want to downplay the importance of accurate theology, mm-hmm. but the most important thing is following Christ. Yeah, ultimately, you know what I'm saying. So I don't know, two yeah. cents, but <laughs> we kind of went that off is, on a the, yeah, theological. Yeah. <laughs> that is. What are your What are your thoughts around that, Amy? Um, well, I think it's really interesting. You know, what, um, Griffin mentions in terms of like. Um, I think what I'm seeing hints of is like this uh, celebrity culture that we place on like mm-hmm. um, Christians on pedestals and stuff that like when you see figures like Ravi Zacharias or Carl Lentz. Yeah, Lentz, Carl. Um, or just any other like um, prominent figure in the church who's well known and well liked and charismatic and um, just gets gets a hold of the culture and just gets how to connect with people well when you see people 
like fail morally. Like mm-hmm. it, it crushes your faith because your faith is built on, um, is built on the success in the, the morality of another person. Mm. Um, and so when we talk about, like you said, like, um, the church being a living, breathing entity with, with Christ at the head, I think that that, that is like, yeah. that's major because like, you don't want your entire faith to be built around, um, just another human being who's no more important than the next guy. Like ultimately like, yeah, maybe they know how to mince their words a little bit better to, to sound eloquent or Mm -hmm. maybe they're popular. Maybe they, um, maybe they're talented in this or that, but ultimately like we're all, um, we're all imaging, Mm -hmm. imaging God. Um, no, no person one more than the other. Like, um, and so just, having having a sense of like humility within ourselves to Mm -hmm. go you know it's not it's not my responsibility to um to fix the church all by myself Mm. but also a sense of um humility to understand within other people like it's it's not their job to carry my faith for me either you know Mm -hmm. not to dismiss like the portion of church that is very like collective and and corporate but like to also say that like like you guys are saying, you know, this is, this is a, it's a relationship and it's mm-hmm. a living, breathing body of people. It's not just yeah. one singular individual. And I think that that's, that's where American Christianity often gets it wrong. Yeah. is like, um, this very individualist mindset of how mm-hmm. we approach things. Yeah. I think, tell me if this makes sense. I think part of the issue is when you get numbers motivated like with the big church like that, uh-huh. you know, or, or Robbie yeah, Zacharias, yeah. he influenced so many people is instead of becoming a masterful lover of people's souls mm-hmm. and pointing them to Christ, yeah. they instead become master manipulators and mm. figure out how humans tick. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And that's, they get big churches, but then they, they convince, you know, their secretary yeah, to yeah. sleep with them or yeah. they convince you know, I don't want to talk about what Robbie did, but uh-huh. you can pull something like that off and have it keep it hidden under the rug for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's like you said, we need to stay, we need to stay humble. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately, I think, where people fall short is a sense of false humility. Yeah. Well, you can look humble on the outside, but you know, like man, we got I preached last week and we got five hundred new, five hundred people get saved. Mm-hmm. I am the dude. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. And like. That true humility, that self-sacrificing humility that Jesus showed mm-hmm. is not, it's it, it's hard to see in some places. You know, mm-hmm. you, you look at the the most popular, I don't want to rag on like pastors with nice shoes or anything, yeah, yeah. but you know, you look at preachers and sneakers. Yeah, There's yeah. another one I, I found recently, like uh, pastors and watches or something like that. Oh, okay. And these dudes with $20,000 rollies, you know, or wearing... You know, wearing a Gucci belt, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, how is that edifying uh-huh. to the body? Yeah. You know what I mean? You might wear that so you can attract more wealthy people. Because uh-huh. the only people who's going to think that's cool is like other people uh-huh. who are material driven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I I agree with you. I think that it, it you just become clouded. Um, and it can even, I'll tell you this for everybody out there, it can even happen on a small scale. Like you don't need. Oh yeah, like it doesn't a, have to be thousands of people to, in your congregation. You don't have to have thousands of people to have a to have pride. Um, but well, yeah. just uh, in the church we were going to in Kokomo, uh-huh. 
I mean, it wasn't bigger than maybe 500 people Mm -hmm. weekly, which is a decent sized church. The church I grew up in was like 70. So 500 felt big to me, but I mean, he had an affair, Uh you know, he'd been faithful at the church for 15, 20 years and just like that. And it's, he's out, you know? Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have, like you said, it doesn't have to be celebrity. And that's why, like you, like you got to guard against it because yeah. I mean we're going to be doing residencies and like out there mm-hmm. next year, you know. Yeah. And I'm going to be at a big church, mm-hmm. and it's going to be hard for me, not hard, but I, I need a guard against it in my heart, heart of the sense of I'm the only I'm the only person who got they picked me to get this residency. You know, mm-hmm. there's only one position I got it at yeah. this big church, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have to guard against that pride because I'm certain it's going to well up. Yeah. And I've been fighting against it this far and I, and I, I will continue to, but like mm-hmm. pride, what pride is the ultimately the root of all evil, you know, that's what causes it. You know, I'm better than you, or I think I'm better than you. You deserve that. That's envy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I'm better than you. I think I deserve your wife more than you do. And then you mm-hmm. get into adultery. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did you want to say something? Yeah, that kind of reminds me of, um, I was in a class yesterday and we were having a discussion on like colonization, Uh, (laughs) just like uh. as a side topic. But what you just said, like reminded me in the sense of like, you know, like, oh, I feel like I'm entitled to this or that. I feel like I'm entitled to your wife. I feel like I'm entitled to all these riches, all these, um, all these things, possessions, wealth, whatever it is. Um, but I think that there's, and I think that there's truth to that. But I think that there's also an alternative way of looking at it. Um, this was we were discussing colonization yesterday in class. Um, it was like, yeah, maybe there there are probably a large, considerable portion of people that um, were colonizing other people because they felt entitled or ordained to do so. But at the same time, like, it also reflects this like scarcity mindset of mm. I'm not enough as I am. Um, and that's not humility either. That's it's still this inward curvature of like it's all about me ultimately, whether I'm deprecated to the lowest of the low mm-hmm. or whether I'm like elevated to to as high of a regard as I can be. Yeah. Insecurity mm-hmm. and pride are two yeah. sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes the most prideful people are the most insecure at their core. Mm-hmm. And like you look at the example of Jesus who had every right to come in and take what he wanted by storm. Mm who could have easily done so. And we were talking about Palm Sunday and the triumphal entry. Yeah. And what the people wanted him to be was someone who was going to come into Jerusalem, overthrow the Roman authorities, mm-hmm. and what they were saying, Hosanna, save now. Save now. And they wanted, they were crying, save us now from the Roman authorities who are ruling over us and reinstitute the Davidic kingdom here and now. An eternal kingdom is what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And James and John, can we sit at your right hand and your left hand? Meaning, mm-hmm. can we sit at the places of power when you're ruling as king? Mm-hmm. And Jesus didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, he didn't utter didn't utter a cry. And he he did, he chose instead to, what was it? Was it from Zechariah 4? When it <sighs> prophesies about him riding in on the colt. Zechariah 9. 9. nine. Um, just the two nines. That's I'm not, I'm not, I hate, I'm not a good member. <laughs> but humbly riding in yeah, on yeah, that yeah. colt. You know what I mean? At the same time, you're thinking like, okay, 
Uh-huh. It's just a little, it's a baby horse, right? Yeah. But it's unridden, which is like the sign of a king. I just thought of Parks and Rec when he said Baby that. horse? <laughs> the baby oh, horse. Ba- yeah. That's what I'm about. <laughs> but Jesus didn't enter with chariots or armies behind him. You know what I mean? He chose to ride Simple into town peace. with his main entourage, those in front of him and those behind him being pilgrims. Yep. And yeah, they, they had a misconception of who he was, but blind Bartimaeus was there and he knew who Jesus was. Uh-huh. Mark, or Dave Smith would be proud of me for that. Blind Bartimaeus. He loves Blind Bartimaeus. <laughs> blind Bartimaeus. He said, son of David, son of David. That's my messianic. That's a that's a whole different avenue we would go down. But um, but yeah, I mean, that's in the cult, coming in on a cult meant he was coming in for peace. When you would come in on uh, a horse, that meant war. But when you were riding on a donkey, it actually meant peace. Yeah. Um, so like. That's what Jesus is displaying here. Is like he even I, told them in the the thing he was riding on, "I'm not coming for what you think." And they're I'm still coming. like, "Save us, save Hosanna. us, save us, save us." And that's the and the thing is, I the one thing I got from that the biggest was like, um, you will. The thing is, they were mad at Jesus because he didn't free them, quote unquote, from the oppressor, the mm. physical oppressors they had. But they oppressed Jesus mm. so that Jesus could free them from their eternal oppression. Like, how often do we ask for freedom from certain things when, like, mm-hmm. Jesus is really pointing, like, no, this is what I want to free you from. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, that's a sidebar. I don't want to yeah. go down that rabbit hole. But. And that's just, like, going off of, like, what you said, Amy, is just so true of, like, man, like, we're, it's like you miss, you miss what's actually important. Um, and it's out of insecurity. Mm. And it's because of I'm not enough. And you start making ministry decisions because you're not enough. Yeah. Oh, we need more events. Yeah. We need more people. We need yeah. more people. And if you're not making that decision from the general place of like, man, I, I want to do this because I want to see people come into a relationship with Christ, your heart posture will change. And then that will become really, you know, what changes everything uh, for you. That's why I think a lot of things came out because of COVID because mm-hmm. people lost stage time. They lost being in person. They lost the high of ministry. Mm. And it it became really tough to do ministry and try to figure out online ministry. And it's not as flashy. And it's it's a lot of grit and grind and, you know, trying to figure things out that nobody has research on, by the way, yeah. on how to do ministry. But I think it's going to bring a, I think like, and I've talked to like different like church leaders and stuff and um, just the role that the, an epidemic and and a tragedy has on the church. Like Uh you see this like amazing refining of like, um, these are the people that are here for the right reasons. These are the people that, that aren't here doing ministry or seeking ministry Mm -hmm. because of the high it brings them. Come on. But message. It's about, you know, like it's about, you know, bare bones stripped down to stripped down to the wire. Like, am I following Jesus because of what he's doing for me? Or am I following Jesus because of, who he is come on um and when you when you're forced to do ministry in a context like a pandemic where the world's shut down and you're reduced to zoom calls prayer meetings <laughs> and like Meeting online at the church <laughs> it's just like wow like um there are going to be moments when ministry isn't there are going to be a lot of moments most of your moments mm-hmm. are going to be not glamorous yeah and we don't like and and we were we're spending so much time being preoccupied with 
chasing after the glamorous mm-hmm. moments that um, we're not realizing like yeah. what what Christ is actually calling us to mm-hmm. in his work. Nice. I hate to interrupt. I do got to dip. I got to get home. Okay. Um, so first, coffee. I know. Post <laughs> mid recording, we've got some like bad weather rolling in. I got that mm-hmm. drive. I need to get home before. Well, no problem. Hits. I'll finish yeah. this out, Griff. But I'm sorry yeah. to dip out early on you, Amy. Dan. Oh, you're good. We'll land the ship. See you, brother. Land the ship. <laughs> All right. Adios. Well. <laughs> Everybody's everybody that's listening, just say bye, Griffin. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Um, but the thing I want to ask you about that is one of the biggest, um, as we near the end here, which we could, honestly, we could just keep, I wish we could go for three hours, um, <laughs> talking about these topics. Cause it's yeah. so, it's so real. And anybody listening, man, this, this information mm-hmm. is not above your head. This stuff is real. It's, it's stuff we need to talk about. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's good because one thing that we're kind of talking about here is we get to see the mystery of how God is still working within it all and he brings us together somehow as believers through even the times when um i I, there was this very powerful moment in the documentary um where one of the dudes goes you know i hate when these things happen because the people that are most in the limelight sent this narrative that this is like all of us um that this is the way it always is and it leaves people with bad taste in their mouth um but for a majority hearing this, like it actually breaks us in the church. If anybody's listening to this, that's not a believer or anything. This actually breaks our heart more, I think, because these are our people. Um, these are the, our brothers and sisters and we don't want the bride of Christ to have this bad image. Um, but I like what you said about is like in these moments of pandemic, it's that real, are you going to be together? Mm. Are you really going to band together and say that no matter what things we go through, um, we're willing to like stand up for the gospel and Mm -hmm. still strive for uh, a holy life. Um, And I even just think about those times of like, and people are like, you can't compare that. I'm just going to use as an example, but like when they were facing persecution as believers early on, they had to make a corporate decision. We're going to band together as we go and face this um, because we know like we're not the popular people. So even when we face these catastrophes, like a pandemic or all that stuff, this will, I, and I just want to reiterate what you said. These are times where I think we really begin to see what people's hearts actually are. Yeah. Cause when things actually get really tough, when the lights go out mm. um, and I just think of, so think like, who are you in your secret place? Mm. And that will come out. And everything goes dark um, and everything will be brought to light. So, yeah. And this good word. Good word. word. <laughs> but my, my question for you uh, yeah. to kind of my last one for you is for people that are listening and especially most of the time um, speaking to students that normally are in high school or middle school that are navigating their call into ministry. Um, what is one piece of advice that you could give them as they begin to enter into the stage of, you know, almost like chasing after their calling. Yeah. Or I would say stepping into it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's a really good question because I'm still figuring it out. (sighs) But I just like, whatever, 
you know, whatever gifts that, that God has blessed you with, I would hope that like, whether it's, whether it's ministry or whether it's not, you know, like the, um, in everything that you would do, it would, it would be edifying to God, not for the sake of doing or for the sake of achieving, but for the sake of being like Come we on. were talking about earlier. Cause yeah. it's, it's not about like, um, the work that we put in or the, or the, ways that we chase after and strive and endeavor Mm -hmm. after all these different things. But like you said, like when the lights go out and you're, and you're left to, um, the secret place, like, do you, Mm -hmm. do you have a relationship there really? Or has it been neglected because of this idea of who you think you should be? Mm. Um, and I think that, that's really, really key to um, just figuring out like what the next season and what the next chapter of your life is going to wow. look like. It's um, just asking yourself, you know, like, God, where would you have me in this next step? Mm. Um, in this next breath, like Come where, um, where would you have me and, and how can I serve you well and how I love other people? Mm. So Amen. Yeah. that's a good word. If you got the notebook out right now, hit the <laughs> go back button and word for word that because that is so true. Mm. That is so, so true. Mm. So one thing that me and Griff normally like to do to end is we want to give affirmations to you mm. um, as we've been able to talk to you. And since he has skedaddled, I'm going to give you an overabundance of just <laughs> pouring just like uh, mm. uh, the affirmation. But um, if I could say something about you, Amy, is that you are a very like real person. Um, you are somebody that I'd never feel like you got a mask up or like I'd say um, you're never not being yourself. Um I've got to know you better this year just because I went on your all's Kerner tree and all that. Um, but just getting to meet you, I mean, it's it's been so cool just to be able to see how I think that one thing that you will specifically be very good at in ministry is being like real with people and being able to meet people where they're at. Um, we didn't talk about this on the podcast, but you just talked about in high school how you have this like plethora of friends. You have this plethora of friends and everything. <laughs> Um, and how it really taught you how to just, you know, be with people that got completely different beliefs that you do and be able to love them and show them Christ. And I think that's just so profound. And I think mainly within this conversation, um, you are somebody that I think is the best example for what it looks like to, in a healthy way, deconstruct, but reconstruct things within your faith. Um, you are never coming for the foundation. Um, that's the word that just comes to mind is that, uh, when you began to deconstruct the things, you were never going to deconstruct the foundation and be like, man, what, what I'm, what, what my house is built on is not wrong, but some people have come into my life and they decided to hang things up that don't match. And I need Mm -hmm. to take those down and reconstruct. Um, and I think healthy examples of deconstruction into reconstruction um, is needed in the church, especially with our generation, how I think sometimes, um, people don't deconstruct in a healthy way. Mm. Um, but you do it in such a way, I think, as you have talked that honors the Lord, um, but also honors the questions you ask and honors the thoughts that you have. And that takes a special type of humility 
and self-control and also faith in God, even in the midst of such great doubt, Mm -hmm. even in the midst of such great questioning. Um, And I just think that's really cool and that's really special. And I think you're going to be able to meet people um, that are doubting and going through that and being able to say, hey, you know, you're allowed to wrestle with these things and not have to throw it all away, you know? (laughs) Um, So, yeah, that would be my affirmation for you um, is just, yeah, those things. I appreciate it. No problem. Um, And to end, what is some way I can pray for you before we leave? Um... I think one thing that I um one thing that I was talking about with another with another master's student, um, Caitlin, um, at dinner the other Shout night. Shout out Caitlin Quinn. Yeah, yeah. Um, was just like, you know, like how do you how do you distinguish between um like like we were talking about earlier, like this holy discontent with the church mm-hmm. and fault finding yeah, 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 because it's it's like such a such uh-huh. such a gray like because uh, it's not one or the other but uh-huh. it's like how how do i in my life um embody like love that's not fault finding mm-hmm. um because it's so easy to fall into this trap and this temptation of like just bashing on things yeah, and yeah, yeah. and um just ripping on the church ripping on things that are going wrong like um instead of instead of doing it constructively to go mm-hmm. like um yeah yeah these things aren't working right but like there's like there's there's a productive way of going mm-hmm. about it that's not just um impulsive resentment or like mm. anger wow. but um for me in my life i think i um would really appreciate prayer for um being able to discern the difference and being and having the boldness to to um to live into more of a holy discontent rather than a fault finding um grumbling mm-hmm. kind of posture yeah yeah mm. yeah that's real before I pray, the one thing I'd add for that is that we there are stages of bitterness hmm. when we're angry. That something is the way it is, but anger is always a secondary emotion. Hmm. There's something under it that's causing that, and I just want to let everybody know that so often we sit in our bitterness, and that causes us to be fault finders. But I think that what really the core emotions is just disappointment mm. and sadness. You know, I, I could go, I could get angry right now and talk about some things that make me angry I've seen in the church. Yeah. But mainly, um, it's just been disappointment of like, you're supposed to look this way, mm. but you don't. Mm. And that breaks my heart. Um, and we also, and I think that leads us to mourn with the Lord. Because I, I'm, I know it grieves his heart too when his people go against him, um, and we mourn and we go forward in hope, knowing that there's restoration, yeah. and that's where we find the faults. But in that hope, we're also like we know that there can be healing, um, mm-hmm. and we don't. Bitterness will lead us to look for just more like we'll, we'll just begin to stack things on. Um, but yeah, I, 
I even echo that prayer for myself because I think so many times I can be cynical mm. when it comes to the, you know, the the local aspect and not humanize things more, not even say. Yeah. Well, let me pray. Uh, Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this conversation, Lord. God, it, it truly has felt like in this uh, three people sitting in the room, Lord, you have been the fourth person that has been here uh, just leading us as we have been talking, Lord. And I just pray for Amy. God, I pray for her time here at IWU, whatever ministry she's a part of, whatever she does, Lord, I pray that she just does in your name. God, continue to fan the flame in her heart because, God, there is a flame inside of her that burns for you, Lord. And I pray that that just increases more and more through the next few years. But, God, even as we've been in discussion, we realize that although, Lord, your bride is beautiful um, and your bride, the church, is um, something that, God, you like desire for us to be, um, sometimes in our humanity, there are different sections and different parts of the church um, that are not always the best and make mistakes and it causes anger. It causes disappointment. But Lord, I pray that, um, Amy is able to find that balance of not just being a fault finder, not just being someone that assumes the worst about everything. Um, but being one that is real about the things that are bad. Um, but has that, that holy discontentment of there's just something not right here. And I pray that that wouldn't bring us to a place of bashing, but a place of prayer, um, a place to where whoever these people are, whatever these de- denominations, whatever these like sections of the church are, we would lift them up in prayer and mm-hmm. you know surrender them to you, God, and just um, pray for them wholeheartedly because we we want to seek them to be um, to be like you and be transformed. Um, so God, may that be our heart posture. Maybe sit and understand what we are disappointed and what we are angry by. But in that moment, may we not quickly go to our own wisdom on what is just and what is right, but may we seek you in that moment, seek your face and ask you, Lord, what is right? What is true? What is noble? What is admirable? What is lovely? Um, And let us dwell in that over um, any fleshly thought we may have. Lord, I just, you know, I pray for me and her both in our finals endeavors as we go forward, Lord, and may we meet your presence as we do this work. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for coming on, Amy. Of course, of course. Thanks for asking. If anybody sees her around campus and you're eating a meal and you need some hot sauce, send her a holler. <laughs> if she chooses to give it up, she like, I don't got it today. Oh, you I'm, know. Always, I'm always open to sharing. Open to sharing. Sharing is, is caring. Well, we would like to thank the band Caledonia for the music that you guys hear on this podcast. They are good friends of ours, and we love them so much. We also want to thank the School of Theology and Ministry for um, funding us and having us be able to have this equipment and be able to do this um, as we're sitting in one of the pastoral care and counseling suites. Uh, We just thank you so much. Um, And we also want to thank you guys. Thank you for uh, listening and just being a part of this. Um, Tyler actually just told us some really good info that we are now over a thousand listens on uh, Spotify Um, and just all glory to God. Like, listen, like I no, like 
me and Griffin had this goal coming out that we just wanted people to hear people's stories and callings. And um, we wanted to create a platform for that to uplift the testimonies that God created. Mm. Um, and we thank you for listening to those um, because it, it blesses me and Griffin's heart every time we get to sit down with people like Amy. And we hope that it does that same thing for you. Um, and we, we just want to, we just want you guys to be able to have this place where you can hear real people share the real highs and lows of what it means to have a calling. Um, and because of you guys and because you guys listening, we're able to continue that even into next year. Um, and we just thank you guys so much, um, and praise the Lord above all else. You know, he is so good and he is so faithful. Um, and I pray that this podcast continues to reach anybody that needs to listen to it. Um, and that more people are drawn towards what God really thinks about calling and what God is doing in people's lives. Um, and we love you all so much. Have a great day. See you all next week. Peace. Peace.